Well, that was an adventure, you know. Are you talking? Because I can't hear you now. Oh, you can't hear me? Something's gone amiss. That's so strange. And we're going live, and now suddenly, there's simply no audio. Simply no audio. It cut out of the middle of the intro song. That's weird. And I'm wondering if you can hear me. I I can't hear you. you Not at all. I'm gonna, Not in any way, shape, or form. I'm gonna play with my uh, my mic here. This is so great. So you can hear me, and I can't hear you. The show's going along fine. Can you hear me now? Uh, let me make sure. I mean, it's strange because it simply cut out well, in the middle mind. of that intro song. I was hearing everything just great. Inputs going, outputs going. Working. Headphones. Yes. My mic is working. Not a mucho. And you can't hear anything. We shall can... I shall I come back? Shall what? I step what? out of the show and come back? Yeah. Go get out. I'll leave. Here. You leave. And then come I'll back. come back and I'll see yeah. what happens. I hear you. I think that's the thing to do. I'll be right maybe, back. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe if there are people listening, they can tell us uh who can, you know, leave leave a comment. Can can you hear me? This is so humiliating. And let me know if you can hear Tony. If you've if you're in the comments, what's going on? And he's gone, and I'm all alone with you. I'm all alone with the peeps. What a strange event this is. Oh, okay. You can hear both of us. All right, you can hear me. I wonder what happened in the intro song. I hope Tony comes back. Um, if he doesn't, uh. You know, you can just ask questions, personal questions about him, and I'll answer them. Um, uh, you know, anything you want to know while he's not here, we can tell embarrassing stories about him. And he he's left me all alone. He's left me all alone. Oh, he's coming back. Looks like he's coming back. He hasn't connected his mic or his cam. This is one of the best shows we've ever done up oh, mom is here and mom says she could hear both of us so that's good so what we're going to do is i'll talk and mom can call tony and tell him what what i'm saying um we might have to come back and do this we might have to come back and do this so i can i'm suddenly and, hearing you now and yeah. everybody everybody has been able to hear us the whole time amazing the song cut out in the middle. Sandra Smith said that the song cut out in the middle, but that she could. Uh, I think hear both of us. I some I I had an internet uh, issue for a minute, and it okay. seemed to have caused a problem with the uh, live streaming. Okay, but I'm so sorry. So let's pretend the show just started. The show did just start. This has been a, an overture. <laughs> yeah, imagine an orchestra warming up. Uh, very, <laughs> I can't wait to listen back and see what that actually sounded like. Was yeah. I cursing and screaming back here? No, I don't you, think so. You didn't say anything bad. Um, so uh, how was your week? Other than uh, Up until this terrifying moment, everything was pretty calm and easy going. Terrifying for you. I got left here alone with an audience. You know, we should always have uh, something prepared in case uh, some reading, some something to read yeah. or something in case that happens because... We're at the mercy of uh, of our tech here. Yeah, I could have given a lecture on the uh, on the bujo. Yeah, you could. Are you still doing bujo? I am still doing bujo. I would I would guess 
that the Bujo has about doubled my productivity. Uh, it's it's been really spectacular. Keep track of everything, and 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 also just a, a sense of accomplishment. You know, as you cross things off during the day, it, it spurs you on to do more because it feels so good to cross things off. Yeah, new addictions, new things to be obsessed <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Um, speaking of of addictions, um, well, this is a this is a long segue. Uh, you remember? Have we talked about um, the dance that Mom came up with when we were playing um, when we were playing Pictionary a few weeks ago? And she came. Have we talked on the show about on the show that? about it? Yeah. I, God, I feel like we mentioned it. It's always yeah. worth bringing up again. It was yeah. a great moment. Yeah. So I mean, I think um, I actually think it's time for another episode of. mom's corner uh just as a sidebar we need to work a photoshopping some of those pictures because the we look very very uh sunburned (laughs) in some of them i can take those down and young saturation and young (laughs) yeah okay um but um yeah so she did this amazing we were playing pictionary do you want to tell the story well, you go ahead. I don't know where you're headed with it. Well, we were telling, we were playing Pictionary, and um, w- w- the you had to come up with a, a dance that began with the letter P. Was one of the categories with dance, and right? My right. mom came up with. Well, like for instance, other choices were the pogo, which is a real. It's oh, a dance. Which is real, yeah. Um, uh, and mom came up with um, the pig walk was the dance that she came up with and we didn't think it was a real dance well yes but let's just let's just refine this by saying you know the way that mom said that this was a dance was so matter of fact yeah the pig that walk. of course everybody would know what this is it's yeah. just pig, pig walk the pig walk yeah. you know the yeah. pig walk so we um we said well we'll let you have a point if you show us the pig walk and I am. I will forever be sad that we did not get video. It's of, it's to our great shame that wasn't caught. Yeah, we didn't get a video. But there's another dance that you might know about. You might not know about called the uh, Snickerdoodle Slide. And I, I get to this because we we're talking about addictions. And mom, uh, there's a there's a cookie from Trader Joe's called the Snickerdoodle. <laughs> okay. That, that mom has become quite addicted to and um a uh a little dance started uh the other day in the kitchen uh, oh wow okay. as she was eating the snickerdoodles kind of an experiment Yeah, it was oh. it was pretty. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty I, remarkable moment. I've been excited about cookies in my time, but I don't know that I've ever broken into an interpretive. You never dance. did that interpretive. Technically, slide. not an interpretive dance. Technically, that was. I mean, that was more of a Fosse-esque kind of. You know, 
I mean, who was singing? Was that Hamlish? Who was that? That was <laughs> that was Barry Manilow. That was Barry Manilow, and it was, it was Manilow. Hamlish Manilow. Was one of those guys. <laughs> Hamilow. Hamilow. Manlish. Manlish Hamilow. Manish Hamilow. Yeah. Um. Uh, so that was know, great. That was really great. I I didn't realize this is a whole new gift opportunity for her too. I didn't realize Snickerdoodles oh, yeah, were Snickerdoodle. real number yeah. one or two that she was such a fan. It's a big, um, it's a big thing. Does she know that you put, played this? She this was okay with her. She's she's cackling downstairs right great. now. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we no, have all contracts that the contracts have been signed. <laughs> And the things are legal. That's all. But I'm not going to get kicked out on the yeah, street. Yeah. Before my vaccine fully right. kicks in. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I'm not. I don't have a car. I can't come help you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's. Uh, yeah. It's pretty. This uh, snickerdoodle slide. Well, that's great. Snickerdoodle slide. I one day we'll get the we'll get the uh, the pig walk on tape as well. Yeah. Somehow and show that. <laughs> So yeah, it's been a long quarantine. So strange things, uh, yeah, things happen. So um, uh, anything else this week? Anything else this Great week? Food? Well, good, good food? Food? Uh, I, I made all the food, so I, you know, it was good. I, I don't want to, you know, sound too self-impressed by my own cooking, but I, I, I made decent meals. I did things around the house. I uh, <laughs> prepared for this show. Awesome. Uh, All right. I recorded the other show that I do with Maddie Blake called Rated P for Paranormal. What was the movie on Rated P for Paranormal this week? This, this week we did a movie called uh, The Believers with Martin Sheen and our old friend Liz Elizabeth Wilson ah. who's in it. And um, that show, that episode will drop tomorrow probably or maybe even tonight um so we prepared for that so i have you know these these both these shows keep me keep me running i got a lot to do you got a lot to do yeah um how about you did you do anything exciting i didn't do anything exciting i had my classes at the university i had my private class um i did some tweaks to the birthquake script to get ready for the uh, the reading coming up reading coming up uh so i did i did a very little rewriting and tweaking and uh uh the cast is all set i got an amazing cast i'm very excited and robert uh, town robert town finally got his notes to you after after the read yeah yeah it's all it's all good now (laughs) Uh, i can't i'm very excited so um so we've got uh and I, in terms of food, I just, I had a Philly cheesesteak the other day, longer than my arm. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't have to eat for another week, I think. You didn't, you didn't make this at home. There's, there's no, not room I, in that I kitchen. Went the, I went to the village market and I got a Philly, uh, the, the wedge size Philly cheesesteak. And then I came home and then I had a, a black and white that was this big oh my god and then i came home and slept for about 17 hours for those audio podcast listeners when he said that big matthew held up his hands the size of his solar radiation dish <laughs> yeah basically yeah yeah huge <laughs> a huge black and white the mesmer five telescope is about yeah. the size of yeah. the cookie that he had 
So I think there there might be some people out there who were laboring under the misapprehension that this yeah. is a pod this is a podcast and a show about movies. Um so not, maybe, maybe we we'll talk about one. Uh if we have to. I mean, if that's something that we got to do. It's our know. hour. Well, actually, it it's is. more than an hour. We could we could just sit here for 24 hours if we wanted to do I've it. Not, I've noticed none of the people that complain about it the show are willing to pay us to do it differently. <laughs> That's no right. one said, like, yeah. we'll give you $20 if you stop yeah. talking about this. <laughs> you stop talking about it. Offers are being considered now. Uh, just so you know. Mom saw the snickerdoodle Good. slide. She well, did you've as they say you've been all over the world and now this happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of uh i gotta be careful i could end up you know what i show here i could end up on the street um so this week's movie woman on the run 1950 uh written and directed by norm mcdonald um no not norm mcdonald Almost. Norman Foster. Yes. It would have been a different movie if Norm MacDonald had done it. Very different. Or had been in it. Or maybe it had been the same. I don't know. He, <laughs> he, he seems like a noir guy to me. He's very talented. Yeah. And he makes me laugh. So uh, there's a lot of history to this movie. And you're the history guy. So... Well, like okay. There's some interesting history around the print, even, right? Around the print? I don't know actually about this print. I know oh, it's, a, okay. it's I know it was out, hard to find and out of print until this was run off in the 90s, I think, but I don't know. What what do you know about the print? I just heard that there was like only one print of it around that everything got destroyed. Oh, really? Uh, maybe so. Um uh, that's possible. That's possible. I, I, you know, I just show up and chat with you. I don't know. I'm not a historian. You're I don't know. Not a historian. Yeah, I see a movie. I like you're it. I need to talk about it. I call you with questions that I'm like, do you know this song? Or this song's been stuck <laughs> in my head, and it goes like this. It goes, and I go, boo do, and you go, oh, it's the Pink Panther. <laughs> I said, I just did two notes. I said two notes. You said, but that's what it is. It's the way, it's the look on your face when you're doing it. I can see you. You are to film as Austin Pendleton is to theater. It's like just and and everything. Well, I have. That's very nice of you to say. I have proved myself uh, wrong here because I didn't know about this print thing. Although I, it it makes sense because, um, I don't know what other reason there'd be on the in the world that I wouldn't know about this movie. I don't. I other than the print being lost, I can't figure out why. So no one would have said, "Hey, you got to see this film before yeah. this year." Um, had you ever seen it before? No, no. Uh, the thing that I think is interesting about it is that we have a movie called "Woman on the Run" that is about a man on the run. The original title was "Man on the Run," actually. I know. But what I love about it is that she is literally on the run all over town, also. But it's just yeah. kind of ironic because run. she's running around town, but she's not on the run. On the run has a, a a particular connotation of like running away from, like I'm on the run. Yeah, but this, I don't you don't you don't you feel the the irony of doing it this way though? Um, I just got confused. <laughs> 
just now or when you were watching the movie? I'm now I'm confused. Um, I found uh, okay. I I'd seen this movie this earlier, uh, like think right before the pandemic hit. Uh, we just stumbled upon it, Amelia and I, and uh, I was angry that no one had told me to see this movie before i couldn't believe that i had hey, never hey, heard of hey. it i i had nothing to do with it i was upset i was angry at you i was angry at everybody um and uh i just think it's completely unique and it's not really that discussed there's not a lot of i mean ann sheridan who stars in it was kind of new to me um i thought i'd seen her and stuff i'd never really i'd really never really she wasn't on my radar. I think she's fantastic. Dennis O'Keefe, again, didn't do a billion movies. It was in some stuff. I'd seen him in some Val Luton horror movies, you know? Yeah. And I thought their chemistry was incredible. And th this this feels like, a, to me, it feels like a, like Preston Sturgis wrote, like, Ghost wrote the script. Right. I, I really feel sincerely that... So, you know, and and in fact, it's possible that Orson Welles did. It's possible, really. Yeah. Um, well, he tell, tell people a little bit about the movie, what the movie is about, and everything before we do okay. The, 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 uh, smart, the your the, smart stuff. The movie is about um is about a uh, a guy who's out walking his dog late one night. He's an artist, a poor, starving artist living in San Francisco. 1950 and he's walking his dog at night and witnesses a murder and um in fact gets uh, uh shot at himself because the murderer sees that he's been witnessed and and um the cops come he, and, and uh he talks to the police and it turns out that he witnessed the murder that's involving a uh, a criminal that they're trying to get and they need a witness. They need a desperately witness because the other witness was the guy who was just murdered in the street. So they need yeah. a new witness to get this case done. The problem is that the killer is a bad news mafia gangster guy and that he is likely going to go after whoever testifies against right. him. And the young artist being kind of hip to that skips, just leaves. He's like, I don't, I'm exactly. not going to testify. And he leaves, yeah. he, he disappears. So the cops go around and they and they uh, they find his wife and they talk to his wife, who is Ann Sheridan, who's really the star of the movie. This is all in the very beginning of the film. Yeah. And the cops go to her and the lead cop played by uh, Robert Keith, it, it, who just blows my mind in this movie. He's great. Um, and finds that they had a strange relationship. She doesn't seem to really be that concerned she isn't behaving the way you'd think somebody would if their husband ran away or was involved in this kind of thing. Well, marriage isn't that good. One of my favorite lines is when they when the cops are talking to 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 Johnson, the 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 artist, and they say to him, "You married?" And he says, "In a way." Yeah. Yeah. Says, what do you mean, in a way? Are you or aren't you? It's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're in kind of a slump. They're not really having a great time. I think, you know, you get the feeling through the movie that, you know, he's 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 an artist and and isn't making money and is unhappy. And it's causing a big strain on their relationship and what they once had isn't really there anymore. And you discover yeah. all this as they go. This reporter uh, who wants to do a story on this and get the lead befriends the uh, the wife 
And yeah. together they go around trying to track him down because he needs medication. He has to come out of the cold so she can give him some heart medication or he could die. Yeah. So there's all these little little elements to the plot, but it's essentially uh, a, a a little uh, mystery. It's kind of it's kind of almost not noir. Right. But it really is, too, because it's from a very female point of view. And the lead character is a is a woman who, interestingly, uh, and why I think this movie is really notable now, particularly her her. She's not defined by the men that she's around and she's not trying to look for love or have a man solve her problems. And I think that is so unique for 1950. Uh, if that was the only thing that was cool about the movie, it would be worth seeing. But there's a lot more. I love I love this movie. Just love it. And for people who don't want spoilers, we do spoilers on this show. So too bad. The the movie, uh, you know, this reporter is helping her find her husband. And then a, a, almost a third of the way through, maybe halfway through, it has it has literally a bum, bum, bum moment. Mm-hmm. literally it's literally like, it's like where they got that joke where yeah. where we reveal that where it's revealed that he is the the killer who they you know and he's helping her so that he can find her husband where they yeah him. turns but out dennis you, o'keefe this reporter is the is the is guy the but the music literally the the minute he it's revealed that he's the killer he's because we know the killer's name is danny boy is referred to as danny boy by the victim at the beginning and she says to him halfway through the movie what do people call you when they're not calling you legget and he says well my friends call me danny boy and the music literally goes boom 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 yeah and it happens on the close-up of his cigarette lighter which is the same cigarette lighter we see lighting the cigarette in the beginning yeah uh in close-up the whole the guy who dies yeah um so did you feel like i mean did you feel surprised that a a writer you'd never really heard of wrote this this dialogue in this movie uh yeah but also a lot of it apparently was improvised too that she they say that she and um she and dennis o'keefe improvised a lot of their dialogue like they came up with it that's that's fine but that doesn't account for all the other characters who have no, no. amazing no. lines and dialogue in it. Yeah. No, there's, there's great stuff. There's great stuff in it. I'm not putting it down. No, I love all of it. Um, I love the, you know, Hey, haven't I seen you someplace before? I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised. I've been there. Um, You don't feel this way about, you don't, you're not excited about this movie though. I am. I loved it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm trying to pick the fight. I'm trying to find the fight. I'm trying to find out why we're here talking. Why are we here? I hated this goddamn movie. (laughs) From beginning to end. Because I I I I guess what I'm saying is that it 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 really it really blew my mind. It really blew my mind. You want to make a movie in San Francisco and you don't have a car chase up and down the hills? Piece of crap. How do you do that? I gotcha. There is not there's there's no there's no trolley in this in this movie. No streetcars. Piece okay. Of- yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought, but see, I th- I thought it was amazing. Like amazing. Notably amazing. And you seem kind of like, yeah, it's a good movie. I liked it. So I feel like I want to find out how you exactly what level of like about it. You're being slightly cagey. 
Um, it, I thought it was really good. It didn't knock my socks off the way Blast of Silence and um, Kiss of Death. Not Kiss of Death. Kiss Me Deadly. Kiss Kiss of Deadly. Right. Uh, okay. All right. So, so those movies really... I mean, I, I, I enjoyed this one, but I didn't, um, I didn't go nuts. So nutsy Fagan for it. There were, there wasn't any, you didn't feel like the uh, homicidal maniac, uh, uh, was endearing enough to you perhaps in this film. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, he, <laughs> <laughs> it's about a lady. I don't know what it was. Some lady. Maniac in in Kiss Me Deadly. I want to hang out with. Yeah, this one. I want to get so a much. beer and nah. you know, go bowling with him. Yeah, it's but, like I don't know. There's no. There's no. I didn't. I didn't relate to the killer. And there's. It's about a lady <laughs> running around. I don't know. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, let me tell you why I think this, why I love it so much, though. Love it. Like, saw it and then started telling other people about it and bought it, bought the movie the minute I'd seen it and started, like, reading up on Dennis O'Keefe and, and Sheridan because it just, I, it's such a surprise. First of all, San Francisco, all locations, like, you're, you're there completely yeah. immersed in real San Francisco from that period, which is pretty cool. Um, I mean, there were some studio stuff too, but it was studios up, up in the Bay area that they were, they shot everything up there. Right. And I think what's really also notable about it is um, it's such a San Francisco movie without, without relying on a lot of cliches, you know, it, it doesn't have, it doesn't use a trolley car chase or, or use the hills except for a couple notable shots of just her walking, which shows some, you know, interesting landscapes. It's not, it doesn't use San Francisco as a tourist does the way that a lot of San Francisco movies do. Right. You don't well, see well, there it. Is, there is that one, that one travel log with the, with the uh, ADR in the, in the middle of the movie where they're, where they're walking around and and all the dialogue is is uh, ADR'd and it's a little travelogue of mm -hmm. yeah they do that they do that that's true it's that's true it, it's which I thought was an homage to um to uh, not no way out the 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 um, Nassau when they go down to Nassau in uh, help me. <laughs> I don't know where you went in uh, a movie that has the travel log in it. When they go to uh, in, in uh, we were talking about the uh, is it a movie we did that we saw yeah, it was a movie we did? Oh, with Travis McGee, Travis McGee, travel, yeah, the, tra yeah, the travel log down in Nassau, yeah, like, uh, the deep amber yeah. kiss or the yeah. the yeah, deep blue goodbye, deep blue goodbye. Um, yeah. They do that. They do have a little travelogue in the middle. But I think other than that, goodbye, darker than amber. <laughs> other than that, the whole way they treat San Francisco is the way that it reminds me of Blast of Silence in that this was a movie made by somebody who lives in San Francisco. I mean, clearly right. Norman Foster, the director and writer, lived there. And because the clubs that you see, the restaurants that they go to, the, the hangouts, the feel of it all. 
is just is so authentic and it's not high-end stuff these aren't like rich people it, it, the movie doesn't center around people with money so you get to see this kind of like just street level view of what San Francisco must have been like in the fifties. And it's great. I mean, to go to these clubs with, you know, with different kinds of, you know, different, you know, dance numbers and different kinds of menus and totally different kind of, you know, ethnicity around them. You don't see that in movies from LA so much. No. And some of the grotto is still there. Is it really? Oh, cool, man. It's a little higher end now uh-huh. it was in the movie i think they've they've redone it but you can bet the next time up in i'm up in san francisco i'm gonna to visit jet oh, i would love to do that too and i love how um without without you know beating it over the head too much they they also talk about san francisco even then feeling like this place where it was just a little more open. The society seemed a little just more open. People were the question of if this guy maybe that's on the run was having a bad marriage because maybe he was maybe he's gay or having a sexual identity problem is is brought up not specifically, but it's kind of there and not mocked. That's what I thought was so interesting. Like it's it's kind of depicted as a place where even the cops are a little bit used to you know uh different lifestyle choices it's a very interesting vibe you know and it's it's what i also love about it is that it's before it's kind of got a beatnik quality like these characters these main characters uh and sheridan and her husband who's on the run this artist are clearly like they're like beatniks like for real they're they're they seem to and he's an artist. She don't you don't really know what she does, but she doesn't seem to care that he's an artist. She's not like a a, a conservative type person at no, all. No, she had some money when they started the marriage. I mean, she wasn't rich, but she yeah. had she had a little bit of money, and they spent it, and now they don't have any money anymore. And it seems like she could go maybe be a writer or a poet or do something. Yeah. But you, you, they're a very interesting couple that way. And, and um, they have they have they have Worcestershire sauce and Tabasco and all this other stuff that like back in the day like. That was really hip. That was different. Yeah. I mean, different. So they're kind of like hipsters. They're like beatniks, you know? Yeah. And what, what I thought was really interesting about this movie is that they were, they were the real thing in 1950. This is before the beatnik stuff had been, had been um, kind of uh, um, advertised back to us, you know, it hadn't, it hadn't been digested by, our culture yet and kind of and kind of spat back at us in cartoon form and other forms is this was the this was the real like felt like more real and that between that and the fact that the script really feels like it was i swear to you i would bet money that norman foster had help from some silent writing partner like someone like orson wells or you know who he knew norman foster was friends with wells apparently you know um, he was also at one point married to claudette colbert so he's got that going for him norman foster was yeah wow i thought that orson wells also was so that's really incredible they really have shared a lot oh okay. there, there you go um i just and there's something about the spirit of it that i just i just think is great it's got this it's got this attitude about life that I really dig. And, and um, I mean, there's this moment where 
they go to a bar, her and Dennis O'Keefe, and they're they're staking out a place. He's got to go check on something. And they go to this bar in that neighborhood, and they sit down, and there's this really drunk lady at the bar. She's trash. She's been there all morning, and she's drunk. That's somebody who I want to give a shout-out to. Please. Joan Shawley. Isn't she great? As blonde is spectacular. She's and that, that moment also taps into something that you were talking about earlier about uh, Anne Sheridan's character not being defined by the men in the movie mm-hmm. um, because her husband is missing and she she's looking for him and she's going to find him. And this blonde at the bar, her life is defined by the men. Her yeah. Left three years ago, he walked out the door and she's been sitting in that bar drinking ever since. So she's gotten, she is nobody without him. And Anne Sheridan looks at her. It's a pivotal moment in the movie. She looks at her and you see her saying, that is not me. Yeah. I am not that woman. Yeah. yeah. I, am, I am a whole person all by myself. Yeah. Whether this guy comes back or not. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. Whether he comes back or not, she's looking for him because it's her responsibility to do it as his friend more than her more than than she's doing it out of romance or love or he completes her. You know, it's like as as she learns about him, too, she realizes that there's stuff that that they that she's been missing, too, mm -hmm. that, that that she comes to understand him in a new way, because in searching for him. Yeah, he hears about him through other people's eyes. And they finally communicate. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. it's kind of like that song. Do you like pina coladas? It's very. It is. It's exactly like the song. <laughs> Do you like pina coladas? And what I love is the. You, did you did you pick up on the stories that the bartender at Sullivan's Grotto tells her while while the drunk blonde is saying, "Ah, they never come back," and Tell he me. he tells her two stories that her husband told him about painting. Yeah. Mm. Which I think are both lies because they're basically like he, it's like he told the bartender stories about his life that are Hemingway and Gauguin basically. Right. He talks about the going and painting the going down and watching the bullfights. And he talks about going to Tahiti and painting the, you know, it's like, no, that's Gauguin. You're talking about, you were lying to the bartender. Probably there's that great (laughs) scene too, where um, one of the people she talks to and trying to track him down is this dude that her husband worked with named Mavis and her husband. And one of the, one of the kind of low end jobs that he's had to do to scramble to make it as an artist is to make um, mannequins for showrooms and for clothes for like um, Macy storefronts and stuff. And the guy that he works with at the shop that makes the mannequins is a great character. Do you want to play a little bit of that yeah. clip? Yeah, he's he's spectacular. Um, let's go to uh, share audio. And here we go. It's not playing. Oh, here my God. Oh, that's just like it. he's so adventurous. Adventurous, right? Oh, yes, indeed. Uh, sit down, Mrs. Johnson. I guess you've never visited our workshop before. What makes you think he's adventurous? Oh, but he is. 
all the places he's gone and all the things he's done, you know, my life has been pretty uneventful. Straight from high school to this job, from my rooming house to the streetcar and then down here to work. In the evening, back to my rooming house again. But since he's been here, it's different. He, he makes my life kind of exciting. I never get tired listening to the stories he tells about his trip down to Mexico. When he was wandering around with all those bullfighters, and when he shipped off to Tahiti in that old freighter and then jumped ship. Oh, I'm sorry. I suppose you've heard these stories many times, Mrs. Johnson. I never heard them. He never told me. He didn't? Well, maybe he didn't want his wife to know. Oh, I'm sorry if I talked out of turn. Of course you have. Shouldn't the mail be here? Why, yes, yes, should. Why? Frank sent me a letter and told you. So, I guess I was... Uh, uh, how do I get back to you? Where are you? <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I am here for you. Okay. Yeah, I guess uh, I was wrong. It wasn't the bartender who, who he told the stories to. It was Mavis. He tells the story. He tells those stories to Mavis. Yeah. yeah. And, and Mavis goes on to say some really wonderful things. He's just in one of them, a bunch of great characters that she meets. I yeah. love the, the dance, the couple that they're the dancers at the Chinese restaurant that they yeah. go to, they have wonderful stuff and like stuff that's not just about plot. Like every character has like personal things to say and funny stuff to do. Yeah. Um, that's lot. outside the the narrative, which I, which I really dig. Um, so it feels like it has some of that quality that, you know, that both these other noir movies had that blast of silence and kill kiss me deadly have where, um, it's just it's it's just nice to see movies that were that they're tr striving to be more inclusive and open at that time. Um, I thought it was notable for that too, but um, funny things like you know him saying him she's being followed by a female investigator, like one of the cops that's trailing oh, yeah. her is a woman, which yeah. is also amazing. Like I don't think I've I'd ever seen in 1950 a depiction of a female police officer undercover. Yeah, like on her own, just undercover. I thought that was really great. And there's a really funny line about that because Dennis O'Keefe gets into a cab with uh, with Ann Sheridan, and and he says, "Is that is that female impersonator still following?" You? <laughs> like, there's just <laughs> some really funny lines. And um, Mavis has a very funny line at, at the end of the scene. We were just listening to the guy that he works with in the mannequin shop shows her a bust. And this is a big pivotal moment of the movie too. I think it's a, he says, let me show you some of the things he was doing in the shop because he's so such a brilliant sculptor. So he shows her this piece, this bust of this woman, this kind of art deco woman. And it's Ann Sheridan. It's clearly her and Ann Sheridan sees it and is really like, has this really complex reaction to it. It's a really, it's not a simple thing. They don't let it just be, oh, he made this beautiful thing of me. It's her kind of going, wow, that's that's how he sees me. Yeah, and she's you know, very severe in it. It's very severe, but very beautiful at the same time. It's a combination of things. It's yeah. not one flavor. So she also really plays all of those flavors in that shot, you know, and responding to it just full of really cool stuff um did you like the, the cop uh, as much as i did i did i love the cop um didn't he remind you a little bit of our grandfather 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got an interesting story, that actor. You know who he is? Whose father he is? No, I don't. He's Brian Keith's father. No kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he was married to a woman named Peg Entwistle, who in 1932 committed suicide by jumping off of the H of the Hollywood sign. Wow. Peg Entwistle was Robert Keith's stepmother for a time. You mean Brian Keith? Brian Keith's stepmother for a time. Yeah. Wow, that's an that's a and crazy then story. And whole sad, uh, sad. I, I read a lot about them. The the family had this. She had this very sad, complicated life, uh, even before she married Robert Keith. But then then um, Brian Keith, I I hadn't realized also committed suicide shortly after a daughter committed suicide. I mean, just I didn't know about this. We should, this, this show should come with a warning. Yeah, tragic, <laughs> trigger warning. The tragic, tragic uh, family. Awful stories. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because I'm, I mean, about anybody, but I'm such a huge Brian Keith fan. I didn't know his dad was an actor. It makes sense. And Robert Keith is a great, I mean, he's so relaxed. He's so yeah. funny and drawl and relaxed and he's got so many great lines. I just wrote like at the top of my notes, just locate like exclamation point locations chemistry banter and mature relationships just surprised the hell out of me for a movie from from 1950 um one of the great dog characters in a movie yes um there's there's some technical stuff in this film i want to talk about because i want you to explain a couple of things to me um well, first of all, this I don't need explaining. I know enough to know. There is, there's a whole great Dutch angle sequence where it's just shot after shot after shot with Dutch angles, um, which we can we can look at a little bit uh, oh. if you don't if you don't remember them. Uh, here we go. Uh, this whole sequence here. Just as their search, that long search, travel log search. Um, and then there's great lighting. Right. There is great lighting. Yeah. But here's the sequence. And a terrible print. It must be said. This horrible is... print. Yeah. But here's the sequence that confused me. When he's in her apartment, when the cop is in her apartment, and he's looking at some of the husband's artwork. We have this sequence of shots where they cut from him. They keep cutting back and forth between this shot and this shot where she's looking at him. Look at her eye line. And yeah. look at his eye line. Yeah. And then this. And he doesn't get up. He's not sitting down. We keep going back and forth between these three shots. And I don't, I didn't understand what the heck was going on. You mean in terms of where they are? Because it looks like she's really much taller in that it when looks he's looking like up at her. She, 
she's like he's sitting down and looking up at her but he's not yeah he it's it's actually i think it's weird i think what it is is um some angles just look weird i i think that was probably pretty how they were much how they were standing but because they wanted to get that high angle shot of the artwork gotcha and probably emphasize you know she is taller than him which is kind of funny and i think that shot really emphasizes how much taller she is that he she's looking down on this on this inspector and is kind of in a power position which is really kind of unusual for for you know for a woman in that in that time and then the setup at the beginning i love this this pair of shots where um he's where johnson is talking about how the killer shot at him and oh man this opener is fantastic the cop says he 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 thought he was shooting at you and what he was shooting at was the shadow and then he says he was a pretty good shot too and johnson takes a step back and we see that yeah i had that's written down for me as my favorite shot in the that's the that's just great great visual storytelling great and then this brings me back to kiss me deadly stairs oh got the stairs <laughs> the stairs got the stairs so good and then there was this odd process shot at the end of the movie which i couldn't figure out what that is heck- such a strange shot we were i was laughing about that too because it is the weirdest reaction and the strangest process shot it, it, it's really weird and it doesn't fit into the narrative at all it's just it just happens it they you know i think there were um it's impossible to know like a movie that where the print is in this bad shape today there could be things missing you know god knows what what went wrong in the last right. 70 years that they had to fix or fell out of the movie and they had to kind of just put in a shot um oh i have another picture of the snickerdoodle slide too that i want to share the there we have that the oh that's not the snickerdoodle slide that's the snickerdoodle that's the end of the movie (laughs) i would say that the end of the movie it's got a very strangely abrupt ending i will say uh it 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 kind of just closes they're like okay we did it we shot all the film we have we're gonna move on (laughs) yeah um I do want to talk for a second about just San Francisco, though. Can I, can we, or were you, am I interrupting? You want to talk um, about San Francisco in terms of the movie, or you just want to talk about San Francisco? Just want to go, man. I want to just, I just want to take a trip. You want to go back to that Chinese restaurant that we went to with, with, with James Kahn and I do, and, and Jack Crucian. And yeah, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Um, I just think it's really cool. Uh, you know, just to talk about San Francisco movies for a second, because it's not, it's not just a great um, town for, as a backdrop for, for films, you know, I mean, and it's been kind of the backdrop of some of the most famous movies of Hitchcock's career. And I'm going to have to listen to you talk about the Presidio again for (laughs) (laughs) Pacific Heights. No, what was it? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's the backdrop of a lot of great films, you know, I mean, 
but the the thing is a lot not a lot of people know it was also it's also had its own film culture and and movie culture neck and neck with hollywood from the beginning of time from the beginning really? of the I did not know that. yeah um apparently it was uh it they were there were some producers and forces at work that were trying to kind of convince the people in hollywood to 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 transfer all the power up to the bay area um chaplin was lured up there for a while and interestingly some of the first movies of really some of the first movies ever made were made in the bay area um this may be too nerdy for 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 you but do you know that famous uh horse in emotion um yeah. uh the cabinet cards they're called that were, yeah you could kind of see as a flicker book yeah um those were uh shot in um like uh in the bay area that was that was those were shot and created um at a stable right outside of san francisco um one of the first films ever made really if you think about it um also um a trip down market street is a very famous movie do you know that that thing have you shown that in class no um it's a ghost ride movie basically it's what they used to call a ghost ride like putting a, a camera on a train or a dolly or a car and driving through a city or just going down train tracks for a while and seeing right. seeing the world roll by that was a popular thing to do with movies and there was a very famous one called the trip down market street which was made in 1906 um and uh by a couple of brothers who were the brothers who made that the miles brothers and um the miles brothers uh they they were establishing a whole movie empire up there in the bay area um and they had the first motion picture exchange in the whole united states was up there this film um uh a trip down market street was shot literally five Four five days before the San Francisco uh, earthquake. Oh wow! And the brothers apparently who made the film shot it and then had to go immediately to the East Coast. So they got on a, on a train and went to the East Coast. And by the time they got there, they heard about the earthquake and they had the negatives with them of the existing city that was just destroyed. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like. Movies are in the DNA and up in San Francisco. And then you, you've you'd always had filmmakers who were trying to kind of relocate up there or create another version of that. Like Coppola was trying to do that with Zotrop Studios. And there's always been a really interesting, thriving film community up there, as well as a theater community. And um, I just I, I I just think it has a it's a great city and it's got a great movie tradition. And I like to think about kind of how different movies would be if 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 Hollywood had decided to actually be there completely different terrain different kinds of stories they might have they might have told different political viewpoints you right. know yep um and you can see that that uh, kind of political stance and that that slightly different um slightly anti-authoritarian hippie beaten it kind of idealism it, in a lot of these films from that time uh and throughout which is really cool anyway little thought experiment you'd what have a lot more you've had a you'd have a lot more freebie in the beans oh yeah exactly or well yeah <laughs> yeah 
I, I, that's a whole other story. That movie. <laughs> I love that movie. I do too. I do too. But you can't, you can't really be, you can't really show it anymore. I mean, I, uh, you know, you can at my house, but yeah, <laughs> I'll come. Um, to, yeah, no, you can't, you can't show that movie anymore. Um, but you can show Bullet. You can, you can show Bullet. Uh, you can show Bullet. I mean, you know, you could argue, arguably whether you should show Dirty Harry or not. I, I still watch that movie. Oh I yeah, love, love how that movie looks and is beautiful version of san francisco yeah. the the birds is fantastic vertigo is fantastic san francisco movie they're just it's it's really i mean it's kind of the best movie city in a lot of ways it's so romantic it's so it's so stunning on camera you know i oh, mean come on man los angeles la la land you know doesn't right doesn't really compare <laughs> when you think about it <laughs> Um, you know, they make some beautiful movies up there in Hollywood, but, um, I don't know. Oh God. You know, speaking of San Francisco movies, uh, the remake of, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 77 version. Uh huh. Do you know, do you know that one? I saw it a long time ago. Oh, dude, buddy. Do I need, we're going to refresh, we will refresh ourselves on the show. Are we going to watch that? We have to. I mean, okay. if you if you don't if you're like oh, I don't know I don't know it so well then a hundred percent need to gotta see it. Okay, again. is Kevin McCarthy in it? Yes, he is. Okay, I thought so. I thought I remembered that he has a cameo in it. He does. All right, then I'll watch it. Woman on the Run is available on Amazon Prime. If anybody gets that service, yeah. we don't get any money for Amazon Prime. They they we don't they get just any money for Amazon Prime. They have a lot of movies that you can see. And they have a lot of noir movies. Like we're doing this noir run right now, but did you dip in and see how many noir movies they got? It's pretty good. Next week we're doing Farewell, My Lovely. Yeah. Which is also, I think, free on Amazon Prime. It might be free. I don't know. I got to say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, we're going to see it. I'm a little worried about this one. You're worried? Why? Because. Because Elliot Gould is an incredibly hard-boiled detective. Uh, that's not. We're not seeing. We're not seeing. That's not what we're seeing. Oh no! That's that's um. That's the long goodbye. That's we're not the seeing long goodbye. goodbye. We're watching farewell, my lovely. That's right. Okay. Long goodbye. I would see tonight. I'll probably go watch that tonight. Long goodbye has one of the most horrifying scenes in it. That I've that the scene with where he talk where the bad guy talks about how much he loves his girlfriend for a long long time and then smashes the bottle across her face it's, it's awful yeah that scene wrecked me yeah still bothers me it's also kind of funny <laughs> but it's awful it, it's awful yeah um, um oh farewell my lovely robert mitchum yeah I mean, no one goes around saying Robert this Mitchum is a great is movie. A little, Robert Mitchum is a little more hard-boiled, though, than Elliot Gould. Well, yeah, uh, okay. Is that how we're gonna? Is that where how we're gonna talk about Robert Altman? Is just that Elliot Gould wasn't as tough a guy as no. Philip Marlowe was? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you want to not watch Farewell, My Love? We can watch. I do. Stuff. I'm just telling you, I'm worried about it. 
okay. think there's a reason why nobody knows a lot about this movie. I think it's not. I think I feel like you know. I mean, you're a little worried that I'm going to think that the that that Robert Mitchum and Philip Marlowe is like a great guy that I want to join a fraternity now. Because I think I think <laughs> Marlowe is a great guy. Like I think Marlowe's totally clean. He's squeaky clean. Okay, he's that. That's what kind of makes me feel like Marlowe is arguably not noir. <clears throat> All right. I feel like Marlowe is a detective, okay, story guy, but not a noir guy. Should cause... we watch? Should we watch something like This Gun for Hire? Or um... I'm ha- I don't mind watching it. I just I need to be honest with you. I want to be completely honest with you, and say that I will watch it. I've watched movies that are I've watched terrible films that I hate, maybe six or seven times. You know what? Maybe we should do. Maybe we should watch every movie that is used in dead men don't wear plaid we, we that'd be a whole season's worth of you know we could keep just doing a noir show which is yeah. fine that's totally fine um no i'm just saying i you know this looks like uh you know mitchum's a little old to be tr- doing the detective thing um although he re- you know the, he wasn't in the yakuza and that was at the same time so Maybe it's great. I love Mitchum. I'm just saying it looks like it, it, it looks like like a kind of a fan fetish thing, not like a real movie. I don't know. Okay, good. But I you know you know me. I mean, I like talking about the bad movies more than I like talking about the good movies. Me too. Uh, I, my my concern is that it's not gonna be either a really good bad movie or a good or a bad good movie but just kind of a boring movie i don't don't, you think it's gonna be just a bad bad movie i just think it's gonna be kind of a man but but we'll see maybe i'm totally wrong i've not seen it so who directed it klaus von (laughs) director let me look that up i don't even really know klaus von directorwitz farewell my love I'm breaking all the movie new roles. I'm looking things up. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm such a loser. Um, you know, we're not getting paid to do this show, so we can we don't have to be good at it. Uh, this this movie is uh, a guy named Dick Richards directed this movie. Oh, Dick Richards. Uh, Dick Richards. He's directed some great movies, like did he? Freebie and the Bean. No, but he did direct Rafferty. Oh, Ra- that's right, Rafferty. Okay, I knew it was one of the movies around that time. <laughs> yeah, Rafferty and the Goldust Twins, which honestly, yeah, I, I would Chad, love Chad's to see. Golden Era. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. Rafferty and the Goldust Twins again? I, I, well, I've never seen it. I was too young to see Rafferty. I, I was too young. It was. I think there's boobs in that movie, probably right. And naked people and things the child shouldn't see. So I think that's why I didn't get to see it. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't remember if there's. Uh, um, I don't remember if there's boobs or anything. But there, there is. Harry, <laughs> yeah, there's Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, children shouldn't see that. No, that's why children shouldn't <laughs> be around that. Right there. I let my kids see boobs <laughs> I let all day long before I let them. See. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like. Oh look! No, no! Okay. Look at the naked lady! Don't Just look at Harry ever! Don't look at him until you're 25 years old. <laughs> Promise me. Yeah. 
that can but i remember meeting harry dean stanton um that's great man you you hung out with harry dean stanton i I did not hang out with him i met him and then was sent to my room (laughs) um I don't remember. See, Dad's so funny because I don't. He, I, I didn't remember Harry Dean Stanton was in this movie. I, it's crazy. Uh, I, could, I could be making it up. I was ten years old, so maybe I've got it wrong. Well, let's see. Was was Harry Dean Stanton computer? Was <laughs> Harry Dean Stanton make it so? Yeah, he was. He was in the. Okay, he was in but, Yeah, I thought so. He plays a guy with a wooden leg, uh, if I recall. And get out of town. It's available on Amazon Prime. Well, maybe we need to maybe we need to, you know, crack Amazing. that egg and do one of dad's movies on the show. We haven't done one of his movies on the show. That's a good idea. At some point we we you know, we're going to have we can't avoid it forever. He plays a Vietnam vet in this movie? Is that right? Who comes back to town and is kind of drifting and meets yeah. this No, he's a uh, he's a, uh, a a very disgruntled uh, DMV test but he's an he's an ex marine. Yeah, yeah, and he he connects with um, Sally Kellerman and um, and Mackenzie Phillips, right? Phillips, and yeah. They take off across the country on a a madcap. So it's a road trip road trip comedy. A road trip, yeah. Weird, weird, dark, dark comedy. It's not the seventies. 70s yeah. comedy yeah which is a tragedy by anybody else's <laughs> estimation yeah, yeah. gotcha and, is it uh, is it really is it like uh is it really raw i mean i remembered because they i don't think they let me see it so i'm i'm, I'm imagined i always imagined the movie was really raw and were really violent and there was some there was some violence in it i think i think um there might have been a little canoodling with Sally Kellerman or something going on in the Yeah, I, I seem to recall there was stuff like that 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 was recommended as a child I I avoid. But now it's available. I didn't even know this was available. This is so and exciting. I, the big thing for me when dad was doing that was that Sally Kellerman had been on one of the seminal Star Trek episodes. And I got to meet her, and it was just like, oh my! That's God. fantastic. Yeah, with um, uh, not Kier Delay. Who who is the other guy in two thousand one? Um, the other. Oh, I uh, God, you're not for not Robert Forster. I always think it's Robert Forster. Yeah. It looks like Robert Forster. Yeah. You're calling me out on Kubrick right on the air. It's really rough. Where no man has gone before was uh, episode three of the first season. And it's um, uh, the series cast is, uh, come on, who is it? Who Gary Mitna. Gary Marshall? No, yeah, it's Gary Marshall. Yeah, Gary Lockwood. Gary Lockwood, yeah. Yeah. Gary Lockwood. I, I get confused because I always think Gary Lockwood sounds so much like an astronaut's name that that must be the character name. Right. Yeah. No, it was Gary Lockwood and Sally Kellerman get these godlike powers. And uh, I got, man, I was so enthralled to be Sally Kellerman. Um, Mackenzie Phillips, you weren't interested to meet Mackenzie? She was a big star. 
Um, you know, like Mackenzie Phillips, Matthew. Mackenzie Phillips was a big star from like the the some like family show, right? Some she went on to do uh, what Three's Company? No, not Three's Company. It was, it was something she'd already been on some kids' family kind of show, I think. One and, day at a time. Yeah, there you go. I was not a one day at a time kind of dude. I watched One Day at a Time. One day at a time. Uh... Can you I thought I thought as a child I thought it brought up a lot of uh, interesting w- issues about femininity and things uh, of that nature that a young person could have you helped. <laughs> Plus, Pat Harrington Jr. played the horny guy who came upstairs with the wrench all the time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Pat Harrington of of um of the president's of the analysts' analyst fame. fame. Yeah, yeah, the phone company guy. Wow, it's so, all it's all come full circle on this show. It all it all eventually does. I think this is where I would stop watching. Um, you know what I love about Woman on the Run, just to bring it back, so we can yeah. close up with some kind of aplomb, with some kind of sense of dignity. <laughs> okay. Is how it's a common theme that people are looking out for each other and mm-hmm. not just talking to the cops just because. Like this whole community of people that she knows, it's great. Like, particularly, I'm thinking of like the 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 old artist, the old artist Cap, right? Who covers yeah. for the artist at the end of the movie? Yep. Who won't even talk to her at first because he's like, "No, nope, told him I'm not going to say a word and I'm not going to do it." Like he covers for the guy. Yep. The um the old guy who who uh, they go to to see where he exchanges clothes to get like a pea coat and another, yep. uh, another hat to be in disguise. And he's like, no, his line is great. He's like, uh, what does he say? I don't, um, how do I know? I don't watch people. Like he doesn't, right. yeah. you know, it's all about mind your business. Like yeah. it's really, it's got an interesting uh, attitude. I like we the movie. haven't talked about the, the, um, the, the God, I had a stroke or something today. The the roller coaster. Well, it's great, right? Spectacular. It's so good. I mean, look at them go. Like they have no money and they're trying to make this crazy sequence where she's trapped on a roller coaster that's going kind of almost too fast, and the killer is is down below her in the middle of the circle of the roller coaster, kind of hidden from the arcade, but the there's a murder happening and she can't get off and she's screaming. She's screaming. The camera's breaking. She's screaming. Oh, it's she's screaming. And there's shots like there's process shots and then, and then there's, there's location the shots. Shot. There's the process shot of Robert Keith standing nowhere near anything, just looking, no looking slightly con- consternated. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I'll say you know I think that the movie doesn't really like if you're gonna look for a like a really crackerjack thriller like a hitchcock level thriller you're not gonna find that here it's also doesn't have like the real darkness of noir you know that you're gonna find in other noir right. movies if you if you go to this not worrying about how they tie up the mystery part so much I mean they tie it up but it's not like the conclusion isn't mind-blowing but if you watch this just kind of going to 
hang out in San Francisco with some funny people for for an hour and a half. Yeah, I think you're going to have a great time. It also it does have that great Hitchcock, uh, North by Northwest or Thirty Nine Steps beginning of the the innocent man, the guy who's got nothing to do with anything, Mm -hmm. suddenly caught up in the in the middle of yeah disaster like just embroiled in something no, he didn't ask for didn't didn't doesn't deserve but yeah. then interestingly it doesn't follow him it follows her right instead of instead of him and interestingly like the big they actually even talk about this with the cop who is a human being enough to kind of talk with her about why she should tell them where he is the cops can't force her to tell tell them right because she's married to him. They can't do that, right? Isn't that like the law, right? You can't. Uh, or was it the law or something like? They No, they can't force you to testify against your spouse. Right. But in a situation like that, they, I mean, they can't. But force he's not wanted. He's not wanted for murder. Wanted he's wanted. Murder. Yeah. So they can't really force her. She, But they can strongly urge her and yeah. prod her to do it. And um, her whole thing is like let him decide like it's i'm not i'm not gonna give him up and i'm not gonna you know he's on his own if this is what he wanted to do he should do it and then the cop is like uh um he won't last forever he's got a heart condition and on the run like that he's gonna he won't make it and so the clock is ticking a little bit not in any major way you don't really think the guy's gonna die from the medicaid it's not like he's it's not like he's a diabetic or, or something where he he will die you know, like he'll really be in trouble without it um but she the biggest case that the guy makes is basically like i am not in i can't look out for every individual i'm looking out for the good of the whole community and right. it's for the good of the whole community that this guy gets taken down and so that's my job but then he also says like and i'll get fired it's also my job. Like I'll get fired <laughs> right. if I don't, which is, it's, it's, it's kind of great. Cause he can't really, he doesn't ever pretend to be like on the side of justice and, and he's just a guy right. and she sees through any of that anyway. So uh, I always love it when they depict people who are smart enough not to talk to the cops. Yeah. You know, it's like what, this. What a strong female character! What a strong character in general. Like most guys in movies, freak out and start panicking and sweating when the cop. Like in every Hitchcock movie, guys start freaking out. And here's this strong woman who the cops are badgering her, and she's just like, "Leave me alone." I I confess to the cops when I walk by the cop walk by a cop on the street, I go up and tell him I did something wrong. I preemptively confess. Yeah, I apologize before I've before I've done. I'm sorry. It, yeah. In case I do. Yeah, um, but I, I I just think she's so you know her, and the other thing I love about the movie I don't I mean, it, it's just that she's she's this complete total woman, but it's also not about her being this incredible woman. She's just a regular person. Yeah, like it's just it, it's it's really cool. It's it's a uh, it's somewhat advanced filmmaking and interesting. Also, coming from the guy, Norman Foster, the writer-director of this movie, who was famous before this for doing uh, films you can't really see much yeah, these days. A lot, Mr. Race, Mr. a lot of racist movies. Mr. Moto and Charlie Chan films. Yeah. What's 
what's cool about it though to me is that this almost seemed like he was trying to write the do the real version of san francisco and yeah. you know with real chinese people in it who were real people and like he it seems like he was trying to correct something with this movie a little yeah. bit maybe maybe i'm imagining that but i don't think so i think you imagine a lot of things i don't think you're imagining that <laughs> do i <laughs> <laughs> you've been imagining this entire evening yes none of this has happened would that it were <laughs> all righty well, so next week. Next week, are we going to finish? Or what are we doing, though? We haven't decided officially. Farewell, my lovely. We're doing farewell, my lovely. Okay. Farewell, my lovely. We're going to wrap this noir kick up, up, off. Or maybe we won't. Well, who knows what? Well, at least you'll get some that. sleep between then and now. I, please, God, let me get some sleep. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning. I couldn't get back to sleep. Just, just woke up. No, I had to reason. file our corporate tax return today. Something We're not like, when you say our, are you talking about me? Because I don't remember. No, being I'm in talking business. about the the booze business. Ah. I had to file corporate. I don't know how to fill out corporate tax returns. I'm going to be in the. I'm going to be in the slammer in a, in a matter of months. Well, I I'll bring you I'll bring you baked goods <laughs> okay. with a with a small hacksaw inside. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. All um, right. Have a great evening, man. It was wonderful to talk to you. Too. And I'll uh, I'll probably see you before next week. But if I don't, I will see you next week. One of those things will happen. <laughs> Good night. Good night. Oh, hey. And we got to tell people to go to our website. Right. Because there's yeah. stuff on there. Yeah. There's merch. There's other episodes of the show. You should be subscribed to the show. There's so many episodes, but there's merch and there's stuff and yeah. there's gifts for people. Yeah. There's a t-shirt. There's a, a Silverado poster, all kinds of great stuff. So and check stuff, it out. Stuff is coming up too. We'll be adding stuff to it. Yeah. So check it out at arkinbros.com. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know. <laughs>